there's a point welcome to the very special uh dog sports live my god a podcast crossover event uh my name is graham coffee you might know me on twitter as dog out west um I am joined tonight by Josh Hancher, Jim Wood, and John Powell to discuss the college football playoff. Uh, as we know, there was some some news this week about possible expansion, and there's some very strong opinions uh, currently on this podcast about what is right and wrong for the long-term health of the sport, and also, I think, what's fair. Um, so before we jump into all of that, uh, Introduce yourself, guys. Uh, say hello, Josh. Good evening, guys. Uh, I did not stick the uh, the landing on the opening as usual, so no gifts necessary. But no, I'm happy to, to talk about this. I'm actually, uh, you know, I go on everything I can and talk about this. So I'm, I'm happy to discuss and take the heat from all the uh, the guys that, that sort of like something closer to what we have, and I'd like to see something kind of reinvented. Fair enough. Uh, John, please introduce yourself. Hey, I'm one half, one half of my got a podcast, John Powell, uh, at Powell John T. Um, Jim and I have basically been doing my got a podcast for the last year or so. And uh, we've obviously collaborated on, on Twitter a good bit. And we've, we've had some, some banter on everything from sauces to college playoffs. So <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget the bourbon and the I'm bourbon. Saying. Yeah, Cheers. totally. Uh, Cheers. What's up, Jim? How are you tonight? Hey, Graham. Yeah, I'm doing well. So, uh, Jim Wood, the other half of my got a podcast, uh, FTMF. Josh, thanks for the hat. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're obviously like big fans uh, of you guys. Uh, we follow we followed the show, uh, banter on Twitter. Uh, I know many people have commented that when the four of us like start jumping in together, the threads get like really long. <laughs> And so uh, we took that to a DM and said, "Hey, like you know, why don't we uh, why don't we lay down a recording and and talk through it instead of a crazy thread?" So looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. No, big fan of uh, you guys as well. And yeah, thank you for all the engagement over the last year. I feel like you too might be like the first people that became aware of uh, the first the battle hymnal and now the Dog Sports Live project. Um, so. Yeah, thank you guys so much for all of the support and conversation and most of all, just the, the fun discussion. So, Josh, do you want to begin? Because I feel like you have the the most maybe impassioned takes here on uh, yeah, college football I, I, playoff. I, I'm going to – where to start? Here's my thing. It's like I don't – I really don't – I truly don't understand the fixation on or the fear of or that the an expanded playoff will destroy – the regular season i don't know how in what world and what and what uh postseason that you can invent that the iron ball doesn't mean something that georgia florida doesn't mean something or that you know the uh the battle for the jug or you know the big game you know ohio state michigan all those games are always going to mean something and god forbid if there's a rematch a rematch of one of those games in a postseason where it's winter go home i can only imagine how much more you know, imagine Georgia, Florida in, in you know, a semifinals. I mean, it, I just, I'm exhilarated by the thought of that. I think it's exciting. 
Uh, I mean, like, I think there, I, I tried to find some, but I couldn't f- find anything. I saw a Furman Bisher article from after the very first SEC championship in 1992, where it said all eyes were on college football, all the, play, you know, athletic directors and, and conference presidents were watching if this was going to work. So, I mean, it, it was groundbreaking when the SEC, you know, split divisions, expanded their, uh, their conference and made a championship game, which is now standard. I, I just think that is the best sport with the most, effed up postseason. I mean, we've had five split championships since 1973 or 74. Um, in the BCS era, we had a rematch of a six to three or nine to six game between LSU and Alabama. I just don't see how that expanding and reinventing it and making this settled on the field rather than an arbitrary, somewhat arbitrary, you know, BCS plus one, which is all we've got. You know, there's no way you can really say that four teams is really going to lay out an ex- a true playoff. It's not a true playoff. It's a, it's a BCS plus one. So there's my take. I'm going to let somebody jump in and, and you know, either hammer me or, you know, or, or <laughs> well, just, so there it is. But before, before we get the, the next jump in, what, what is your proposed solution what would you like to see the college football playoff look like okay i think every power five conference champion should be in um i so there's five so my like crazy pie in the sky is a let me do the math here i think it's the so championship week you have the five playoff uh the play the the five conferences playing in a championship game you got 10 teams there then you mm-hmm. either then you can you get so what do you do with notre dame what do you do with the power the group of five what do you do with some non-division winners that aren't playing in the conference champions uh, conference championships that are deserving, like, uh, you know, Ohio state in 2015 or 2016 and Alabama in 20, 2017. So you have a playoff for them where they play the same weekend or that same week um, sort of call it the playoff, the play in games where you take the best group of five team, Notre Dame, and then some non-division winners that are, you know, honestly worthy by, by some, some, some committee, there will be some, jet, some subjecti- subjectivity to it. But yeah, so basically, yeah, so you get the five power conference, five power five champions. You get an at large from those teams in case that, you know, an undefeated team gets, you know, has an injury early in the game and gets upset big time, but they're clearly one of the best teams. So they get a redo. And then you uh, have the four playoff uh, play in games from the independents and group of fives and non division winners give the top two seeds a bye and play it off on the field, similar to what, you know, closer to what the NFL has. So I don't think anybody complains about the NFL playoffs. Why wouldn't we complain about a real college football playoff? So is that 12 teams? I, I think I've gotten it up to like 14 or 16. I, you know, I could go back on okay. my Twitter. Yeah, but yeah, but it's, it, it's really kind of the first round is sort of like an expanded conference playoff championship or ex- expanded conference championship weekend, you know, where you add some teams that aren't in it, and then you, those winners get in, and you add one from a net large spot. So Georgia has to play Alabama in the first round of the playoffs every year. If they're in the SEC championship, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's the thing. It gives it gives a benefit to winning the division, right? You it, here's you know at the beginning of the year, if you win your division, you got a chance to to win a national championship. If you win your conference, you're going to have a chance to win uh, a national championship. It gives a, a clear road path. It's not some thing where you could be like the Pac-12 and you and you're going to be some t- group of people in a hotel room in Dallas, Texas are going to decide what's the better team between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And it's like there's no there's no rules, there's no uh format for any of that. They just randomly subjectively decide who's going to get in and especially I mean hopefully we'll never have another covid year but then you know it it 
there's there's just no it's just there's not enough there's too much subjectivity to what how we crown crown a national champion i've spoken enough somebody say something yeah i mean i so i agree with a lot of what you're saying like my my issue gets more with the volume and also like the so in your model where you i know you're saying the conference champions get in but the conference championship game loser i believe in your model is not eliminated is that correct there would be one at large from that conference championship that could be chosen so So you could have a loser in and then you you can also yeah and then you can also have non-division winners even Right. Yes, you'd have you'd have a non-division winner that would play, but they'd have they'd have to play in. Unlike Alabama, they didn't have to play in a conference mm. championship in 2017, and in Ohio State in I can't remember 2016 or 2015, they didn't. Ha- they actually got a bye week. They got a do over. So that yeah. in my in my scenario, they actually have to play a head to head to get into, or they're, they're they've got another game to play. I mean, they're kind of in at that point, but yeah, they're going to be playing in Notre Dame, a Michigan you know, uh, uh, Cincinnati or whoever the, you know, if, if the committee determines that there's a group of five worthy team to play in there, you know, uh, maybe it's a Florida and a, you know, imagine 2017 where it's Florida and Alabama in a play in in somewhere in Orlando and Georgia and Auburn playing in the SEC championship. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of like what I'm cooking up. No one's called yeah. me and I haven't trademarked it. So as of right now, you guys are all safe. I'm not in charge. Yeah. I mean, so for me, and this is probably like a super like old man statement, like, I feel like I feel like we've kind of forgotten what a playoff or like what is a point of a playoff, right? So to me, and this is opinion, I guess, but to me, like the point of a playoff is we have two teams or two competitors in whatever sport, right? That we don't have enough information to determine who's best, right? So like golf, a golf tournament, perfect example, right? Through four days, they have the same score at the end of the tournament. We need a playoff, right, to figure out who's best. That's super simple. But when then when you look at like to me, like the perfect one was Major League Baseball before, like when there were two divisions per league, right? So you had the AL and NL, you had two divisions, you had the two division winners, and that was it. They're playing different schedules, right? We don't know who's better. And then at the granddaddy of it, you had the World Series against two teams who had never played each other, right? So to me, like, holy cow, like I, we, are, we are settling on the field something that we could not possibly know. Like to me, that's awesome. Um, and I love, and I, like, I love your point about uh, SEC championship game, right? Like that was innovative. That was new. That was different. And we're doing a similar thing there, right? We've got unbalanced schedules. We can sit around and argue, oh, the West is better. You know, that stuff is cyclical, right? Like now, yeah, but, you know, before, you know several years ago, it wasn't. It was the opposite, right? So those things are going to go in cycles. And so you take the winner of each division and let's find out who's really the best. Are there going to, could you end up with a rematch? Yeah, we, we know we did with Georgia and Auburn in 2017. We had it with Georgia and LSU in 2003 as well. I'm sure there were other ones, but um, I don't know, but to me again, like it's based on you're getting there to your point, Josh, you're getting there objectively, right? You're the division winner. We take those two and we have a a playoff for the SEC to see who wins. So to me, like I can get behind that. Um, What kills me is this like, like these teams that I feel like you should have been eliminated. Like if you, if you can't even win your division, how in the world are you the champion of the nation? And like, that's what kills me. And so that's what, that's what worries me. It concerns me about expansion. Like to me, I think we could get a better playoff with four to me personally, if I'm not saying it's an automatic bid, but I'm saying it's a requirement that you are your conference's champion to get in. And people will say, what about Notre Dame? 
and I'll say join a conference. Yeah, the Notre Dame is is definitely a a, a problem in in most yeah. scenarios, but yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, I love the idea, but there's, it's just too many, like, there's too many, what about this? What about this? I mean, so the expansion, I think is going to have to include, you know, some sort of non-division winner that's going to be in, I think. I'm afraid. And it's going, it's yeah. going to, it's going to. And so like, I'm, I'm like, well, everything I'm saying is like all for not, and I know it. <laughs> like, like, it's, same, it's coming. Same. And like, so I'm trying to prepare myself for it, but I'm totally like yelling at everyone to get off my lawn that I don't want it to happen, <laughs> but I know it's going to happen. Fair enough. Where are you at on this, John? I think that you and I are kind of the, the two guys that are like, I could, I could really go one way or the other. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for you, but I could. I see points for for Josh. I see points for Jim. Um, what I what I what really like grinds my gears, or um, is when a one loss UGA is is out of any sort of expanded playoff because they didn't win the SEC championship. Um, that scenario to me just cannot happen. Like a one loss, a one loss SEC runner up should be in any sort of expanded playoffs. So Josh, if, if they didn't win the SEC championship, then they potentially would be out, you know, unless they didn't get one of those at-large bids. And then I look to seasons like where you've got like a, a BYU or you've got a, you know, an army or some, something, someone in one of the low, lesser conferences that's, that's undefeated that gets in ahead of a one-loss UGA or a one-loss Florida or a one-loss Bama, whatever it is. Like to me, like those, those, that subjectivity of schedule, strength of schedule, um, would be of, of importance for, for anyone getting in. So I could be swayed one way or the other. I think like, a, like Jim, like everybody knows, I think we all know that the money is too much for it to not expand. Um, it's just a matter of when. So I try not to get wrapped around the axle. Like, let's just figure out whatever it is that the people that are writing the checks are going to decide and then we'll run with it for a few years and then it'll probably expand again. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that any expansion should include a reward for the clearly the best team or the best two teams. And that should be in a buy, you know, you win, you win the sec with one loss or zero, you know, undefeated, you should get a buy, you should get advantage. And if you're UCF or if you're Cincinnati or whatever, and you haven't played the, the schedule of a Michigan or a Georgia or um, you know, an FSU or whatever, and you, you get one shot, you get to line up against a non-division winner and see who wins it on the field. And I think actually expanding the playoff actually protects the really good teams and the teams that have been tested and played the best schedule. So um, yeah, sure. It could, you know, I mean, App State beat Michigan in the big house in the regular season game, but I think that lining up in December with everything on the line versus, you know, uh, a, you know, a, a Georgia from 2020, you know, that we, we got our, got all we could handle with Cincinnati in the peach bowl. Imagine if that game were, you know, to advance to, to win the championship as opposed to just not, you know, just a great bowl game, you know, and it's like, I think it, it keeps the players invested, you know, the, the bowl games have been so watered down by, the the even just the four team BCS I mean you know it's like the the kid from Stanford who was in South Carolina I mean at Carolina who who's totally drawn a blank on his name you know he he was the very first big name that opted out of a bowl game um, McCaffrey uh, opted out of a bowl game and that's going to be the pattern I mean that's going to be routine and I I you know that's a whole nother subject but it doesn't bother me if you're not playing for something then why play you're risking too much especially if you're talking about getting drafted in the NFL so I think to value the season. 
Um, I don't want to undervalue the regular season, but I think an expanded playoff actually makes it all much more valuable for the players and the fans. And I think it's good for the, I mean, I don't want to get all sappy, but you know, I think it's important to expand it, to give more teams the chance. If you're telling me that it, you know, like a lot of people told me, it's like, well, the best team's not going to win. Well, tournament doesn't always award the best team. It's, it's, you know, the NCAA championship is great because not the best team always doesn't win, but it's exciting. It's great. And you're still a champion. And, and, you know, like if, 20 you know if lsu had gotten beaten in the second round they still would have had a great year but they didn't win at all i it just none of that bothers me i, I just we got to fix the sport make it better and i just only see positives out of, out of all this and if blutarski's watching he's throwing he's, he's actually turned it off right now <laughs> yes. all right hey, oh, all yeah right. He, i agree with him <laughs> so all right the, the more i've listened to this i think I, I i have kind of developed an opinion here uh so I, I do agree with you, Josh, that the the postseason does need to become more interesting. Um, it, there needs to be an incentive to keep these guys involved because, I mean, bowls have always been exhibitions. You go back to the early time of college football, like the only pictures you will ever see Bear Bryant looking happy in is like him at a bowl game, like tanned, buttons <laughs> open on the shirt, you know, cocktail, some floral patterns. The rest of the time, meanest son of a bitch on earth, right? So, <laughs> like, one way or the other, either we just admit that these are exhibitions and, you know, we stop using them to to rank teams or to, you know, kind of gauge where programs are at, or we need to do something to, to really incentivize winning those games and keeping players uh, involved. So, like, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think the my issue with the current playoff format is – like you said earlier that we have a BCS plus one and to an extent, I agree with you, but I think that the BCS, we actually had a, a formula for like, there was a, a formula for the BCS that, you know, was not subjective. And after watching Ohio state make a 14 playoff last year, after playing six games, like, I think we've kind of broken a barrier of sorts where, really at this point, like resume is, is not going to matter and, and anything can be justified. And so my concern going forward is that like, we're going to have a college football playoff field that's really based on recruiting rankings. Cause we know every year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, maybe Georgia, like those teams are going to be the most talented teams. And I feel like we're at the point where, you know, the perception has become reality and, and that, you know, when those guys get in that room in Dallas, the benefit of the doubt gets given to these teams that we know have boatloads of talent on it. Um, well, let me jump in on that, the whole BCS and that everyone is starting. I've even seen people say, let's go back to the BCS. And I think the BCS form, there are tons of people that track it and say who would have been the four teams chosen by the BCS. And I think Ohio state made it in on the BCS rankings that, you know, extrapolated out to 2020, but, you know, Dan Wetzel, who wrote the book, you know, death to the BCS talked about it. And uh, <laughs> death, there it is. Look at that. How about that? I came, I came prepared. I came prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Exhibit All right. A. All right. If Dan, Dan Wetzel owes us a retweet on that. Uh, so, um, you know, timestamp, um, no, <laughs> but it, he said, you know, he talked about Utah with um, Alex Smith and how, how awesome a season they had. And he was, you know, floating around all these, and the Harris Poll people literally had not watched Utah play. 
So right. if you're, and I, I don't think we're to that point with the playoff committee, not watching the, the players, but it's like, you talk about recruiting rankings, they're walking in with a preconceived notion who the best four teams are. And it's going to be hard to get them off of that. I say you expand it out, let them line it up on the field and settle it. And I'm sorry if the best team, whether it's, you know, Alabama or, or Clemson or, or, you know, 2019 LSU, they get beat. They got beat. I just don't see a problem with it. It's, you know, you know, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl as a four seed. You know, Pittsburgh won it as a five seed in their conference. I just, sure. But yeah, so here, no, I guess here's my – now that I've, like, told you all the things I like about your yeah, arguments. Yeah, you got to do a little bit of that every now and then. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what I dislike, which is the fact, like, if we're talking about using conference championships as a play-in model, I did a little homework. So – from the ACC in 2018, we had a seven and five pit team play Clemson in the conference championship. Uh, in 2018, we had Northwestern who lost 21, seven to Duke and 39, 34 to Akron play at eight and four in the big 10 championship game. And so like, that's why I asked you the question earlier. Like, so George has to play Alabama in the first round of the playoffs every year. Cause I, I do think like there would have to be some sort of reseed, but yeah. the, the, the beauty of college football, and I'll shut up after this point, is that like the, college football has by far the most interesting regular season of any sport that I know of. And you were talking about those games, you know, the, the rivalry games, the traditional rivalry games meaning something. They're going to mean something no matter what. And I agree with you 100%. They are because there's emotional charge there. But the thing I love about college football is that random Saturday – in early November where, you know, Ohio state is on the ropes at like some, you know, some rant like Indiana or some random Iowa? big 10 team. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wherever it is, you know, and like, and we know in that moment that their Season's whole the season line. could go up in that, flames. That's the thing to me. This, that's yeah. what, to me, like college football, the stakes are so high every week. And like, you know, I mean, like, and uh, Josh, I mean, if I were to watch this back, I know I cringed when you said like, what if Georgia and Florida played in the playoff? And I'm like, oh, like, like that game, <laughs> like, like that game feels so big. Like, okay. So when I was in school, I went down there and we lost every single time. Like, and like my heart was absolutely broken. Right. And so like, to me, like those, I don't know, man, part of the cool thing about college football is like, you have those lows. And I hope to someday feel that high and it's going to make it feel so much better. When we walked out of Bryant-Denny in September this year, we were all saying we get another shot at him. That didn't bum us out. Yeah, I know. I know. And that, but that's a, I mean, that's somewhat of a rare scenario, right? Like I I mean, to be able to have that, I mean, we hardly, when's the next time we play Alabama? You know, I mean, it's going to be a long time. We thought it was, we were rotation. hoping for it was December. That, oh, I was, all. but again, but you can get there objectively, right? Again, that like to me, I don't care about a rematch in a conference championship when you're determining, right. you know, objectively determining the division winners. And the only, like, okay, but we already have this. I, I mean, I have an issue with like these teams that we, that just keep getting in. So Alabama, they always get the benefit of the doubt, whatever. You can say they've earned it, I guess, but whatever. Ohio State, they get the benefit of the doubt, right? And Notre Dame, right? So those three teams are the, the three teams that have made it into the playoff without winning their conference, right? No one else has ever done it. They get to play by their own rules. And like, that annoys me. So like, to me, again, I just, if we expand it, it becomes the Alabama Invitational. And like, maybe it already is, 
but hold, I mean, they're never going to get left out. To Josh or Graham, so, sorry, Graham, so to your point of the recruiting so, rankings, how are so, you going to how are you going to leave them out? Well, if you're yeah, going right. to put if you're going to put Alabama in, what's better, Alabama penciled in in August in, in a field of four, or Alabama penciled in in a field of ten? It just yeah. annoys me that, they, that you can't eliminate them. Like, <laughs> well, like I mean, what the heck? You know, like why? Like we lose one game and picks. we're out. They're, they're Everybody it's... else. Yeah, but again, but back to your point earlier, like who cares? Like you know what? NFL is different than college. Like I don't know. I just yeah. get annoyed with like Notre Dame this year too. Again, like oh, you lose dude. your conference championship and you're in. Like you weren't so, even in the conference. I would put Cincinnati in this year, by the way. But anyways, John, you're trying to say something. I mean, I was just about to say, like, your Josh, your comment about like no one complains about the the NFL. I mean, no one's complained about college football being amazing for however long it's been going on. So, like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it come like the NFL. There's something special about college football. Like, I, that's this by, is that's by far the best argument against me is that you're good with it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's the best argument. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I'm I'm literally modeling it after the NCAA and the and the playoff NFL playoffs. Yeah, which people be like. I hate that. Well, okay, I got nothing for that. I mean, that's legit. <laughs> you, well, John wins. I'm out. <laughs> well, I mean, the NCAA. I like the NCAA tournament, but again, like, I mean, but like, again, it is what it is. Like, if you think about it, I mean, it, it tends to weed itself out, but I mean, you're talking about getting the best team, and that is something like I kind of do care about. Like, I would like to see, like, find out who's the best, right? And so that's where I get to, like, hey, let's have a playoff to figure out who's the best. And just the fact that, I feel like we could, again, my way to improve it is to not give an automatic birth to a conference championship, but conference champions, sorry, but make having a conference championship be a requirement for injury. That's, that's my thing. And even if we go to six, like I can live with, I think I could live with six. Um, although if you do that, they were talking probably automatic bid for those five, which Graham, to your point, would you just ran down that list? Like, I, I know like in general, like the lesser team didn't win, but it's happened, right? Like Colorado, like in the BCS era, I can't remember like Colorado beat Oklahoma or something, but then they were still in anyway, all these random things, you know? The only good thing that's happened to Georgia basketball was the fact that we got in because we won the conference championship to the 28 <laughs> NCAA tournament. So don't take, well, now you're yeah. going to take that away. I mean, that's, I mean, shit. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with just as, you know, oh, well, Northwestern got in. Sorry, Ohio State. Imagine if Northwestern sent them packing, how the rest of the world would be all about an eight and five northwestern team that yeah but in your model they don't they don't send them packing right because they're still going to get i mean yeah if there's one that's what i don't like yeah that's what i don't like i mean there i mean dude you are you are kind of winning me over thinking about northwestern eliminating out of state from the postseason that's (laughs) that's that's pretty good win or go home i mean that's what we i mean win or go home that's i mean that's i I mean jim you said it you don't want alabama to get in a free pass you've said the same thing so let's line it up and figure out a way it's win or go home not uh how do you feel how do you feel about running running because i've seen several scenarios like where you you play the bowl games like do the conference championships, do the bowl games, and then you'd pick. Uh, yeah, the season's, too, season's too long there, I think, at that's, that point. That's the true plus one, right? So play out all the bowls, and then whoever's one right. or two, but by whose metrics or by whose determination, then they play. I mean, but uh, Josh, is that season going to be any longer than your I mean, model? Yeah, I, I guess your model has it ending at the same time, right? Yeah, I mean, I would. what I would do is, honestly, my – I've written this all down so many times. It's pathetic. My buddy John has heard this so many times. But it's like, but in my scenario, you you take a week off after the end of the regular season. You give Army Navy that week before the conference champions and make that 
an event. I mean, and, you know, so you've still got something waiting for you. It's not just another college football game stuck in at the end of the season like it is now. So, and then you get two weeks off, you get healthy, you get right. And basically the first round is that weekend. You get everything organized for the at-large play-ins. Conference championships have a two-week buildup. And then you go right into – then you you have a bye week for the teams that – you know, the two teams that bye, they're going to play after Christmas. You play around before Christmas, take two weeks off, and then you've got the semis after Christmas. I haven't thought about it that much, guys. So, you know, you, know what else, you know what else makes college football great, though, right? Like, arguing. And, like, yeah. what are we sitting here doing? Like, arguing my whole thing. Yeah. And that's where uh, – like, I think Tony Waller jumped into your thread the other day and was like, just play the Bulls, and then let's just let the Polls pick them again. It's like, it was, like it, was that horrible – I mean, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Again, bad. maybe it's me and being old and having nostalgia. It's like, I don't know. It was pretty fun arguing about who's the best. <laughs> Dude, go go look at the final ballot of the AP poll last year. I mean, and just tell it's me. It's garbage. You, to, you just look it is horrible. It is horrible. Well, especially when you get down below like one and two, right? But, but yeah. I will say it's interesting that like, you know, the Georgia's 2008 SEC championship in basketball was brought up here because like, I think that's the concern, right? Like, the four of us are four of maybe a dozen people on Twitter that are actually watching the majority of Georgia basketball games throughout the season and discussing those, right? And then, truth be told, I stopped watching. Well, yeah, but my point being, like, once the NCAA tournament comes around, right? Like, everything you know sports shows that don't talk about college basketball all year you know it's it's bracket time and and all of that and and yeah the country gets involved for you know a couple weeks but the reality is that like college basketball is hemorrhaging money because those television rights aren't worth shit to anyone and that's why when conference realignment happens schools with great basketball programs are or left out in the cold in a lot of situations because they don't make more than a few million dollars a year. And I'm afraid that if we, if we go too heavy on the postseason for college football and, and too, too large of a tournament type format, you create the same dynamic and no one wants to watch, you know, a, a random late September out of conference game between Georgia and UCLA or somebody. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, college basketball like basically no one really cares until march is ultimately what we're talking about no one really cares until march hits and that's when the tournament happens and that's when everybody's like okay now now the season really starts like mm -hmm. that to me is just that that doesn't sit well with me for college football because number one there's far fewer games and number two the the stakes are so much higher particularly in the sec so like i don't know i I feel like that the comparison to basketball is almost unfair, but I mean, we all know that they're going to expand the playoff no matter what, but at the same time, like I just, I would hate I, there, no matter how you slice it, the regular season would be somewhat devalued by the time right. you get to 16 teams. Like if you can get in as a division winner, the regular season doesn't matter as much as it did before. Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean can, can we agree that like, even if the playoff expands or doesn't expand, like, would you guys like to see a little more concrete format on what's going on behind those closed doors and like how those decisions are made or, or even like some ballots, you know, like a kind of a release of who voted for who. Cause I think that's yeah. my biggest issue right now is like, 
2018 Georgia after losing to Alabama, you know, when Hertz came in, like there's no way that Georgia team was not one of the four best teams. But in 2018, we were told everything was based on resume. In 2020, when Ohio State plays six games and has half the resume of most of the country, we're just told they're one of the best teams and you have to accept that. So, yeah, 100% agree. That's where, like, the, the, yeah. the certain teams get to play by one set of rules and everybody else gets to play by another. And that's, like, I feel like it always shifts to Georgia's disadvantage. Like, one year it's this way, and it's like, oh, well, what about, like, Georgia in 2002 or Georgia in 2007, right? Like, 2007, you, know, or, or, you know, 12, 18, all these years, right? It's like, well, the year before we let Ohio State in because of this. But uh, but now that's, that we decided that that was wrong, and, like, that's not important anymore. So, Georgia, yeah, screw you guys. Yeah. 2012. <laughs> 2012 was a great example. 2012 yeah. was a great example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we did. The two best teams every, in the country were playing. Yeah. Every, everything yeah. happened. Uh, to, well, actually, I'm thinking of the, the, the year two where everything had to happen for Georgia to sneak into the BCS without playing in the SEC championship. And, you know, we actually went down in the BCS rankings, even though everybody in front of us lost. So it was like. That was seven. Yeah, that was seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah I mean, 2012, the SEC championship was de facto national championship, or at it the was. very least, it, it was, was a semis, you know, which was great. I mean, you know, at that point, it was win or go home, and we didn't win. And I'm, it sucks, but it's, I mean, but again, Notre Dame got to pass. They, well, <laughs> yeah, speaking of passes, I mean, like, the ACC canceled. Clemson and Notre Dame's last two regular season games. Exactly. Don't get yeah. Exactly. And so, about these precious, you know, games, you know, these precious. Well, you know, I'm not saying they games. should have. I mean, I think that was fucked up. Yeah, I don't get too like worked up about this past year. Like anything happened. Yeah, I mean, me like, come on, like you know, pandemic. <laughs> oh, you know, but the uh, president. We've never seen anything like that ever before. Yeah, Dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Notre Dame lost their last game. They got in. That I mean, that is so wrong. That is, and then then they got blown out again. I mean, God. Well, that that happened happened in the BCS too, multiple times. There's one year when Oklahoma lost in the Big Twelve championship game, and they were still number one in the BCS. And that was where, like, uh, like when I got all on board with this thing, right? Like, oh, death to the BCS, and like that's what kind of what got me into it. And I mean, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad we went from the BCS to the playoff. Uh, but it's definitely, I mean, it's not, it's not perfect. It's, 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 it's imperfect for sure. You know, yeah. dead, dead horse. We had to drive. Why can't, why can't we make the, why can't we make the, the selection committee's meeting? If that was a show, if that was like on TV, oh my gosh, I'd be all in that. I think we should do it at the Maricopa courthouse, actually. <laughs> well, Josh, I mean, Josh, how do you feel about the FCS, FCS playoff? I mean, I, I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, no one's ever really complained. I mean, I'm not telling you I'm going to. Are you watching watch it? it? No, no, I'm not watching it. Well, the the only reason I ask is because that's that's usually like the first like they look at the lower levels of NCAA football to to see what's going on, and I think John tweets had, had, had mentioned mentioned this earlier today that North Dakota State lost in the quarterfinals, and that was the first time that they had lost in ten years. So it was like like one team basically was – it took 10 years for the, them to have a shocker in that playoff scenario. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I mean, I think truthfully, like I look at the system the way it is right now and uh, after what Clemson and Notre Dame did with the ACC last year, like I think next year when the SEC title comes around, if, if you know, you got 11-1 and one 
Georgia and 12 and 0 Alabama or whatever it is like the SEC should just be like, no, we're not playing it. Like <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. Georgia doesn't play in the SEC right. title game in 18 or 19, they are in the playoff. And that yes. 18 team was good enough to win it. The 19 team, not hot garbage, James Coley, <laughs> you know, all that issues. But like, seriously, like it's not, I drink the every playoff. time James Coley gets mentioned. <laughs> like we're we're sitting here talking about like desire for competition through a playoff, but the reality is that like the schools in the SEC see that competition week in and week out, anyways. And you've got schools like Clemson and Notre Dame that are cakewalking into the playoffs every single year. Ohio State continues to become more and more in control of the Big Ten, and so it's like why don't we shuffle the the deck when it comes to the regular season? You know, it's like, why don't, why don't those teams have to play each other? Why isn't there some sort of system? I, I don't know what that would be. I've not thought about this until this moment, but it's just like, it's another thought because a, the regular season stays as interesting as it is or more interesting, but like B the, the schedules are more balanced that way. Are you, are you suggesting that they go to like a, a European Super League, like in so- what was suggested in soccer earlier this week? <laughs> no, I'm not suggesting that. I don't want anyone like burning my house down. But, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, you know, let's take, let's take some sort of system and, you know, the Ohio States, it doesn't have to be a Super League, but, you know, identify the, the 12 or 15 or 20 best teams from the year before and, and cross those teams over the the second or third week of the season before conference play starts. I mean, we have the ACC big 10 challenge in basketball every year for a week. And it's, and it's actually pretty entertaining. Um, But who's going to do that? It's it's the home gates and you can't give up home games. There's too much, you know, that so many programs need as many home games as they can. And it's, it's tough. That's why all these major out of conference matchups are at neutral sites now. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, sounds like no, no. I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, but they get paid. I mean, honestly, some of those teams are actually yeah. getting more from that gate than they would their home gate. You home know, game, not yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you know, Florida State and, and Clemson. I mean, not Clemson, but like certainly UVA. All the, they're getting paid more to go to Mercedes or to you know Camping World or whatever Louisville when they played Alabama. So yeah, that's it's all about the it's all about the joke. All right, you so, want to you want to pivot into the NFL draft? Well, if it, I'll let's let Jim and John, if they have any last thoughts, we'll we'll pivot after that. I think I pretty much said my piece. The only other thing I'll point out is I, I wore this shirt because it still drives me crazy that I can wear this. No one from Bama can, and they won the national championship. I, don't know, I got that was. shirt in my closet. It's a good shirt. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, John? You got anything to close with on the playoff debate? Uh, no, I was going to chime in there at the end because it sounded like Josh was basically saying that uh, college football was too big because if there's teams that are relying, if there's teams that are relying on some of these paychecks, then maybe we need to cut down division one. Uh, I, I, possibly that could that actually could solve a lot of problems. Actually, right. if you got, rid, if you got rid of some of, of the teams that, that, yeah, like kind of going with the super conference, you know, it's like, I, but you know, but that folds into all the other non-revenue sports and, you know, at some point we're going to actually realize that, that it's a revenue sport and these athletes should be compensated, but, you know, talk about opening a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as Josh mentioned, NFL draft is this weekend, uh, Georgia with a school record, nine NFL draft selections, 
which is a miracle because Kirby Smart can't develop talent. So I think I read that. Not sure how that happened, but uh, yeah. What what were your you guys' impressions from the draft? Any any takeaways or? I think it speaks. Well, I, guess- vo- I think it speaks volumes that uh, yeah, Georgia had nine players drafted, uh, Alabama, but Alabama had six in the first round or something like that. I mean, it just tells you there is we 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 rag on Florida and the gap between Florida and Georgia right now in recruiting, but there's still a good bit of a gap between Georgia and Alabama. It's closing, and we and we have the, the means to do it, but it's still like. You know, Danny Cannell was thumping his chest about everyone, you know, the SEC taking a victory lap for the most players drafted in the first round or whatever. And he said it was just really Alabama. But by the time, certainly by the time the second or third round had completed, it was, it was clear that the SEC has the most talent. The only conference with all 14 teams having a, a player selected. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and it, it was it was somewhat exhausting to try to keep up with the, the Florida people. I don't understand why talk about a hill worth dying on like i would i always talk about this uh you know expanded playoff hill that i'm dying on but jesus christ florida give it a rest i mean it's just like and there's no factual basis for it it's just dumb none at all none whatsoever what about you guys yeah i mean on the florida thing to me like at least they're like trying to talk themselves up to us when they're like clearly beneath us right The, the weirder thing to me is like Alabama fans' obsession with Georgia. Like, if I was an Alabama fan, I wouldn't care what? about Georgia at all. Like, that's the nope. most biggest mystery to me on the internet. But, anyways, aside from that, to me, like the biggest surprise for me personally was Aziz Ojulari. Like, I thought he was going to go a lot higher. Um, and I think the difference between, like, like you said, Josh, you got all those Bama guys going in the first round. For for whatever reason, these Bama guys they come back for one more year and they improve their stock. And we haven't quite figured that out at Georgia. I have a hard time telling a kid he should stay in school because, like we just said, they're not getting paid. Um, so I, I, I can't tell them to stay, you know, for that reason. Like, you know, I, I understand you want to you move on. You want to go make money. I get it. So, um, but I don't know. Like, you know, sometimes if you wait longer, you can get more. There's a risk of injury, et cetera. But something is – there's different conversations or different attitude. Obviously, different decisions are being made with those – kind of borderline guys at Bama where they go. And then we've got, you know, Trey Hill leaving to go in really late, right? Uh, you know, where you come back. I mean, who knows? I, I wouldn't think those any of those guys have gone any lower next year than they did this year. Sure. Yeah. I think that uh, obviously the ha- having nine players drafted, when the, I think this was the first class, right, that was basically all recruited by Kirby Smart. So – yeah. Correct. From, from here on out, you've got nothing but Kirby's players coming through, and the fact that we've already set the record at nine is is pretty telling for what's to come. Basically, um, the I think what was it? I think I saw someone post about how the if you factor in the last two drafts or something like that, that 2017 or 2018 team that Alabama had had like something like 12 first round draft picks or something like that. It was ridiculous. Like they obviously have a recruiting powerhouse over there and they're, it's going to sustain, which we've been building and we have in, in place. So for us, I feel like that those, those, those types of days and those types of draft days are, are coming. Um, totally. And for Florida to come out and, you know, someone, Graham, you and I were on a thread where, uh, there was a there was a post about how many draft picks that each team had had since like 2016 or something like that, and Florida right. was, uh, Florida was just ahead of us, and all the Florida guys were jumping all over it. And I'm like, yeah, 
you got four L's. <laughs> Damn. Congratulations. Congratulations, guys. A, you totally played, you totally played yourselves. Shit. Dude, that was impressive. Yeah, so I I was so frustrated by a lot of that talk on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, I don't have a life or any good things to do with my time. So last night I actually, like, dove pretty deep into – uh, not just how Kirby Smart recruits have have performed in terms of their their draft status, but also just like national national averages. So one thing that's interesting is, uh, first of all, every five star recruit that has come to Georgia that has finished their career or eligibility at UGA uh, to this point has been drafted, which is seven guys. You know, four transferred out. There's still, I believe, fourteen more on the roster. That number will go down, you know, some of those guys um, that were in the, the 18 class, like it's not looking like they're going to be drafted, but still that's, that's a very impressive return rate when you consider about a little over 38% of, of all five stars are never drafted at all. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, the other kind of data that, uh, that came out uh, is that the average four star has about a 25% chance of being drafted. There's, there's 330 four-star recruits in each class. And there's, there's about 80 of them that are drafted in a given year, give or take year by year. But um, for Georgia, again, and the, the criteria that I used here is guys that were recruited by Kirby smart. So this does not include anyone that was on the roster when he took over from Rick. So starting with a 2016 class, and also guys that actually finished their careers at Georgia, whether that was three years, four years, five years. But uh, of 16 four-stars that have finished their careers at Georgia that Kirby has signed, 10 of them have been NFL draft picks. So that's about that's about two and a half times the national average of, of 24.2%. Um, what's even crazier, though, is that eight three-stars have been signed by smart staff and – Two of those guys have been draft picks, whereas in across college football, across the FBS, uh, there's about 1,600 three-stars a year. 5% of those guys will be drafted in a, a given year. So, you, you know, however you want to slice it, you can't really say he's wasting five-star talent. Yeah, You it's can't no, say – There's yeah. no negative recruiting that can be done against that. There's no price. You just you, – you get there's a lot of things you can say. is like you're not going to waste away at Georgia, and, and it's just – it's a tired and unsus you know it's unsustainable you know narrative to try to spin that crap and you know like you said jim that you know that florida's got just a few more nfl players over the last five years and they've won less games than georgia um and i had a michigan guy and it was just saying that he was like nobody does less than more than kirby i'm like oh my god there's <laughs> i saw that i was like i was like are you kidding me jim harbaugh is the third highest paid coach as, and has more NFL draft players in Florida and Georgia and has less wins. It's like, uh, anyway, so top, good, good work out of you, Graham. Thanks. Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that's, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I'm, I'm kind of at that, like, frustrated tipping point where it's just, like, nobody, like, no one's going to stop shitting on Kirby Smart, at least these other opposing fans, until, until Georgia wins the title. And yep. it's extremely frustrating, like, in hindsight, like I was, you know, I was sitting in the Mercedes Benz dome and 
we were, you know, that close in 2017. Um, but I don't know. My argument truthfully is just like Kirby's had some growing pains for sure. There was some bad decisions, bad game management, never should have let Coley hold on to the playbook, but you just don't recruit a top one kind of one or two roster over the course of, of a decade and not stumble into a national title. I mean, it were Georgia, yeah. so it could happen, but I don't well, know. Well, I mean, and he's, he's still learning how to be a head coach. I mean, he's, he, right. ha, he has had to learn on the fly at Georgia the whole time. He didn't have the benefit of starting out at a smaller school, being anywhere else. I mean, like, yes, he was on the staff of, I mean, the greatest college football coach of all time. Like, I don't think any, anyone disagrees with that, right? Um, no. And so he learned, learned from the best, right? But he never got to go out on his own and learn the ropes and figure out, oh, shoot, I, maybe I shouldn't promote from within. Right. Maybe I do need to go outside and, and do that kind of stuff. And so what, what I will say, the fact that he course corrected right away after right one away. year, I mean, yep. that impressed me. Right. Everyone wants to make the Mark Rich comparison, which I think is also dumb, and, but also won't go away until the international title. I mean, that was I mean, I will say like with Rick, I mean, he took too long to fix the William Martinez mistake. Right. Like, yep. like, you know, so he did it course correct. I and mean, the fact that Kirby did that after one season, I mean, I don't know, that says a lot to me. Yeah, so. no, I, I, and you know, like you said, and uh, that he wasn't like he wasn't fired because of his first five years at Georgia, and yeah, I right. I still say that there is no outside of Clemson and Alabama, there's no other uh, fan base that that wouldn't switch with Georgia's, you know, and that wouldn't take Kirby in this in this program and plant him in their college town. It's just. I mean, maybe I guess LSU, maybe, but I mean, I'm telling you, built for the long haul, uh, Georgia is going to be there, and I, uh, you know, I'm a homer, so I think they're going to get over the, get over the top. But I just, I'm like, I'm so good with any of this. Take the shots, I don't care, whatever. I'd still, I'm FTMF. I don't. <laughs> that's all I got. There was a graphic. There was a graphic that was put out uh, about the the comparison between Nick Saban and Kirby Smart through 59 games. Yeah, and you look at it side by side, and it's literally Kirby has one more loss, Nick Saban has one national title. Everything else is pretty much the same. Like, well, but I mean, he's his first two years were at a small school, though. That's the that's well, he the, was at Michigan yeah, State, no, no, right? No, no, no. Yeah, he's no. at Toledo, Toledo for one year, Toledo for one, Toledo year. one year, yeah, yeah. No, this is this was this was his Alabama coaching experience. Oh, gotcha. yeah. Okay, I saw that, and I and I kind of, my apologies. I thought I was, I thought that was the Toledo, Michigan State. At, wow. Okay. That was, well, that, was, that was Saturday down south. You know, Nick Saban was forty eight and forty eight and eleven, and Kirby Smart's forty seven and twelve, and yeah. pretty much versus SEC versus top twenty five versus top ten, SEC championship game win loss, SEC titles. The only difference is that Saban got one national championship. Well, and the Saban train really got rolling, you know. Yeah, there was the the first title, I think, in, in 09 against Texas. Or maybe it was 08, whatever it was. Um, but point being, like, that train really got rolling from a talent perspective because he was putting dudes in the draft year after year. And – yeah, I mean, Georgia did not have six guys drafted in the first round. Truthfully, that, that 2017 Alabama recruiting class with 12 first-round draft picks or whatever it is, nine, 12, we'll never probably see that again. 
if we do, it'll be once maybe in our lifetimes. Like that was a, a total anomaly. And they, I mean, they fell into that. Like Saban's a great coach. He's the goat. Don't get me wrong. But like, I think even he would tell you, you just don't hit on, on that many recruits in a, a normal cycle. Like even if they are five stars, like five stars pan out at a, you know, two out of three ratio anyways. So it, yeah, like Alabama's good, you know, like they're great. And it's not really fair to compare a no. Kirby smart five years into the job to a guy that got, you know, I think five years or four years at Michigan state and then a, another four to five year career at LSU and now has been entrenched for a little over a dozen years at Alabama. Um, but the exciting thing is that like the trajectory of Georgia's program is, is online with that. I really hope we get a win over Alabama, like before Saban retires. But yeah. I also think like Saban probably rides off in the sunset within the next five years, at least probably. I, I've been saying that for the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, tell me any. He, j- tell me- he just had his best class in the history of the rankings. Sure, but like Georgia's, Georgia's 2018 class was was one of the best in the history of the recruiting rankings at the time. And like guys transferred, some guys didn't pan out. Like in hindsight, that class has actually turned into kind of a weak one within the, the dynamics of the, the program, you know, Bama's 2017 class, I think, was still a number one class, but like it was not, you know, rated or seen as a super class at the time. So it's just like I think recruiting is a is really good, and there's an exact science there. But I mean, dude, they had five first round wide receivers yeah. in two drafts. Like, can I ask, in Alabama? Can I ask the question that maybe nobody's asked? Is how many of those guys did Kirby Smart recruit? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely, I'm just, I'm just was, saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a part of that, of that, that train for sure. I did see something on Twitter. I want to say like yesterday or this morning that like, I think there was nine first rounders on offense that Kirby recruited to Alabama. I don't know if that's over his career there or what, but yeah, you're right. That's a really good point, John. Um, Everyone says Kirby can't develop QBs. Well, look at Tua, baby. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I mean, recruiting is a snowball. <laughs> recruiting is a snowball, and he's basically snowballed it every year. You know, one, two, you know, top top three, you know, basically is his floor. I mean, if that's your floor on an ongoing, like, cyclical basis, and the next closest competitor to you is below you, like that gap isn't closing. I'm sorry. This is this is this is going to be more often more often than not. <laughs> no, you're right. And I mean that that class last year, a lot of people that that really know and understand recruiting, you know, Georgia finished third nationally, but they missed on a lot of guys that they wanted, especially early in the cycle, and you know, really struggled with the the pandemic and lack of visits and and all of those scenarios. So it's like Georgia did you're right. Like in a class of guys that really maybe weren't the first choice or it didn't go the way it was planned. You're right. They still finished with the number three class, which Dan Mullen would, you know, kill to do. He never will probably. But uh, if you look at this 2022 class, I mean, it's, it's already 13 kids strong and 
far and away ranked the number one class in the country. And there's, there's at least three, five stars in there. There might be four or five or six after senior years happen. So it's all in the right direction. The program is extremely healthy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, dude, this has been a lot of fun. I think we should probably do this more often. What are you guys doing um, in the preseason? I mean, in the off season, you guys going to put out some more content or, I mean, first off, we should plug the show. My God, a podcast. I imagine everyone's watching the subscriber, but it's a good podcast. I, I've listened to literally every episode you guys have done. I uh, enjoy it a lot. And I've always said the community of, of dog fans putting stuff out there has been a lot of fun to be a part of and I enjoy, and enjoy it. So what are you, what are you guys going to be doing in, until we get some real football to talk about again? Yeah. Great question, John. What are we, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, so for sure, like we're going to pick up. So yeah, we were like super last minute, actually um, like season one, kind of getting everything together. Like our first episode was like a season preview slash Arkansas preview. So, you know, we'll get, we'll get rolling earlier than that. We've got a couple uh, things like tentatively lined up um, that we'll have out just kind of some bonus content, I guess, over the summer. Um We've got uh, some some guests lined up, uh, so I'll kind of tease that. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 get back into it. I would say you know more like as we roll into fall camp, we'll get more into like our usual weekly type schedule, and then back to our you know for those that haven't listened, we're generally during the season uh, two episodes a week. You know, a game review um, that we talk about usually like you know Mondays or whatever close after, and then we'll do a preview, a detailed kind of deep dive heading into the heading into the opponent every week. Well, Graham is is uh, super busy at dogsports.com and on the Twitter defending all things Georgia against all things Florida. So be sure to be following Graham at Dog Out West. Go to dogsports.com. I mean, he's I mean, he turns out more than anybody out there. I, I'm constantly impressed about how much you can you know, not only just stuff. It's not fluff. It's just hard, good <laughs> stuff for April uh, when, Dude. you know. It's it's awesome. Some of us are getting blocked by Anthony Dasher over Tom. <gasps> others others are out there putting out content. Somebody's got to set these goddamn lizards straight. And yeah, I'm yeah. here to do it. All right, and we're gonna do we're gonna dig. We're actually gonna do some more play breakdowns uh, from the G Day and just sort of kind of yeah. re- continue our sort of preview. I mean, I think the more and more we talk about this, and hopefully you guys are watching, you'll know these players by the time you know the season gets around and really what their tools are. Graham is. is you know, a hell of a hell of good watch to him cr- crunch some numbers. So we're going to be doing some more of that. So stay tuned for that. And also we owe some people some hats for some five-star reviews. Didn't have my act together. The hats are on order. Haven't forgotten about you guys. So be sure to give my guy a podcast, your five stars and our, our little uh, show uh, a five-star review. And we appreciate everyone tuning in to both of us. This has been fun. So thank you guys a whole bunch. Graham, you got anything else you want to say? My, we got a podcast rules. Hashtag FTMF. Hashtag FTMF. All right, guys. And we are out.